Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a foreign But that hookup was, was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know, know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Every Girl Podcast. Hello, and welcome back. Before we dive into the Ask the Every Girl segment of this week, I am so glad that so many of you are enjoying this new segment and the new format. But for the Every Girls out there who, you know, have busy lives, don't have a lot of time to listen to podcasts, you want to get right into the interview, I totally hear you. So we are going to be adding in the timestamp that the interview starts in the show description below so that you can skip write to it if you want. I really am just trying to give the people what they need. If you Mm -hmm. want to hang out with me and Emma and chat in the Ask the Ever Girl segment, we love to have you. But I also understand if you got limited time, you want to skip right to the interview. I want to make that easy for you guys too. So we will be putting in the description where you can start off the interview. It's like a choose your own adventure. So with that being said... Let's dive in, Emma. What is this week's Ask the Every Girl? This week's Ask the Every Girl is actually from me. (laughs) Shocker. I'm so Um, excited. I know that your birthday is coming up, Josie. How old are you turning? I'm turning 28 on Sunday, September 24th. Oh my gosh. So exciting. Happy early birthday. Thank you so much. I am very curious. I've been wondering this actually for like a couple weeks when I've been like, Oh my gosh, Josie's birthday is coming up. Um, <laughs> the fact that my birthday comes into your brain this often is making me so happy. <laughs> well, I just, I just know it's, I know it's coming. And so much. I've been wondering if you have any birthday manifestation rituals or reflections, mm. yearly rituals. Like, what are you manifesting for twenty eight? First of all, for people listening, especially my friends that know me, I swear I did not make Emma ask me this question. <laughs> no, people who know me know that I'm like fully obsessed with my birthday. Maddie, especially, is going to be like, I know you made Emma ask this question. I swear I did not. She did. Um, I love this question, Emma, though. This is really fun. I obviously, being the crazy wellness girly that I am, I have a very deep reflection ritual with my birthday every year. So I will, I'll just, yeah, I'll explain what I do. Hit us with your rituals. Also, I love doing it birthday to birthday, but I think also the fall is a really great time to do this because fall feels really motivating to reassess goals. Like it's, it's that new school year feeling. So I think no matter when your birthday is, this is something anyone can benefit from doing this time of year. So here's what I do. The first thing is I kind of, it's writing a letter to my past self. So the word gratitude is so cheesy, but I focus that more on feeling so 
happy with my life. Like I, I think of it like feeling so in love with my life. So this is the letter. God, that's so cute. <laughs> but that's the part I want to dedicate to that. Cause you know, we're all about goals. We're all about manifesting the future, but I also never want to get so caught up in manifesting the future that I forget that I manifested what I'm experiencing right now. Love so that. I will think about a past birthday, like a young birthday from young Josie. Most often it's around five or six years old. I had Little Mermaid birthday parties every year until I was like 18, honestly. But I had a lot of Little, Little Mermaid birthday parties and my grandparents came to visit for my birthday. I think back on that Josie and I think about would she even believe the life that you have now? And I write that out to her, like, are you so proud of who I am now? Are you so proud that I chose to move out here, that I'm getting to talk to these amazing women and inspire so many other women to live their best lives? Would you even believe the life that you have? And I think it's also not even about the things you've achieved and the things you've done, but it's also the person that you are. What I feel in my body is when I can say to that young Josie, you are such a kind person. Like you turn out to be such an amazing friend to other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's the first phase is definitely the reflection, the connection to my past selves and past years and gratitude for my life and the person that I am. The second phase is the manifesting the future. So yeah, thinking about what I want the following year. So for this year, it'll be thinking about what I want my 28th year to be. The first thing I start with, and I also do this in New Year's. (laughs) I'm ready. I look at the next 365 days until I'm 29 years old, which is so close (laughs) to 30. Wow. So until I'm 29 years old, what is my life going to be? I write about all the things that I already know is happening. So I know I have a couple family trips that I'm going on. It could also be Halloween, Christmas, like the things you know are happening. Yeah. Right. We know that they're coming. We don't need to manifest them. But the important part is like manifestation. It can be sometimes a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things that you are already doing that you don't have to hope for. You don't have to put action steps into. They're already happening to you. That is going to make it the best year. I'm going to London this year with my family, which I'm so excited about. So I like write about that experience and how much fun that will be. This is how I'm going to act. This is how I'm going to be present for it. This is how my high self is going to show up for that. And then it's the layer of the things that I want to manifest, the goals that I have for my 28th year. So this year will definitely be the first thing, obviously is a podcast for sure. Yeah. I have so many guests that are still on my dream guest list that I want to get to. Emma knows I really want to work towards in-person yeah. interviews because the tech is just not my, not my thing. <laughs> if there are two people constantly manifesting great things for the every girl podcast it's us it's us it makes its, its us. way into every journal yeah so. the most motivating thing to me in the world is when i get to talk to people on instagram that were like i love the episode oh my god the episode yeah. changed my life or even someone commenting on the every girl podcast post being like i just listened to it i loved it to think that i have the privilege to be in someone's ear for an hour every week is an honor I really do not take lightly whatsoever. And 
it's something that I want to keep doing more and more and more of that feeling that people get where that guest on the Evergirl podcast really made me think, or wow, this episode motivated me. And now I'm walking into a meeting feeling better. I want to triple that. Like I want that feeling people get to be tenfold. That's the first thing I'm manifesting in my 28th year is Mm -hmm. continuing to grow the podcast to bring you guys, our listeners, more guests, more insight, more inspiration. And then, you know, I, I hate that I'm this girl that's going to say this, but Say it. I, okay. Engage, okay. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm even saying this, but I think on my vision board for my 28th year, the proposals on that. And I hate saying that because I feel so annoying as the girl that's like, oh, I'm manifesting, getting engaged, like, blah. like as if it's not in my control for the record, it is very much in my control um, <laughs> for people who don't know. I've been dating my boyfriend for seven years mm-hmm. and he's a few years older not that that matters, but I, I've always kind of joked with our family and friends of he'll, he'll get married tomorrow, but I'm young and like living my best <laughs> life. I, I just always felt like I was so young. Everybody do your own thing on your own timeline. That's the beauty of life is we all get our own timelines, do what we want with. But um, I just have always felt like very young. And this, yeah. like maybe the past even couple months, I started feeling like, okay, maybe, maybe it's about oh the time. God. So I started giving him like, the wink of, you know, whenever you want, maybe that will come this year. People are going to listen in a year and be like, well, (laughs) she didn't get engaged. I think that we're ready for that. So again, I I hate saying like I'm manifesting it as if I'm not in control of it as a woman. I feel like it's important to say that I'm more putting it on the list of what amazing things can my 28th year bring me. And that could be one of them. Yeah. We'll see. That's a great way to look at it. The other thing I'm manifesting increased physical health. I always say this with health, there is no destination. There's no time that you hit. I did it. I've achieved perfect health. Like that's not how it goes. Health is a verb. That's something you work on every day for your life. So just increasing my connection to my body. Actually our episode with Mimi Bouchard last week, it really hit me differently in Mm -hmm. terms of how I talk to my body. And I always think that I'm such a confident person, but really it's less because I think my body is so amazing. Like I still have so many of the doubts that we all have. I could lose a couple pounds. My body's not as attractive as hers is. So I have those conversations. And so I've just kind of always brushed them off and been like, well, I'm confident. I love myself because even if I didn't feel good about my body, it never affected my worth. Like it it never made me feel less worthy. But having the conversation with Mimi, I was like, yeah, I talk shit to my body kind of a lot. And you just don't really think about it because it feels so normal. So my new goal is to put so much in my brain of my body does so much for me. My body is amazing that I hopefully will get to a point where I don't have those thoughts, where I don't look in the mirror and think I could lose a couple pounds or uh, my body's not ideal today, or I don't look great in these jeans. I know that we've talked about that. That feels unrealistic. Mm -hmm. I had this epiphany where I'm like, why, why is that unrealistic? Why am I going to spend hopefully the next 70 years of my life having the thought that I don't look good in these jeans? Mm -hmm. I do not want to waste my time thinking that ever again. So I'm really going to prioritize spending this year filling my brain with the thought of your body is amazing. Your body does so fucking much for you. 
your body is worthy enough. It doesn't need to change. It is good enough as it is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be flooding my brain with that. So I'm manifesting a relationship with my body that I've never been able to have before. Wow. Oh, that's so powerful. That's amazing. I love that you've also already started it. Even just yesterday, I went to a workout class. Typically in a workout class, sometimes I'll be like, go shoulders, you're looking toned and sexy. But most of the time it's, oh man, I got cellulite here. This is looking flabby. And you don't even realize those thoughts. Like, it's not like I was aware that I'm in the mirror thinking these negative things. So just yesterday I went to work class. I just did not allow myself to think that if I felt that thought come up, I would look away from the mirror and I wouldn't look back at it. And instead I was flooding my brain with, I am so strong. The fact that my biceps right now are able to be lifting, I think it was like five pounds, but I'm like, the fact that they're lifting five pounds is amazing. They're doing so much for me. And I spent the entire workout as if it was a meditation, focusing on how powerful my body is. And I left the workout feeling vastly different than I have ever left a workout. Anyways, wow. Let's dive into the episode today because it's so different I'm curious your thoughts, Emma, on Botox, filler treatments. What are your thoughts? Honestly, I didn't grow up thinking Botox, filler, plastic surgery, like that's bad. To me, it just feels really neutral. Much like any decision that any person makes with their body, I feel very neutrally about it. Coding it as good or bad is super unproductive. I have to say with this episode in particular, I was really curious about it because being my age, And seeing people on the internet, like influencers I follow, get Botox or filler can be a little bit confusing because often the people I'm following are five years older than me, but also they feel really close to my age. And I don't know, I don't know when to start, basically. I had such a warped perception because also those are influencers. Like, are normal people doing this? So those details from Anoush was really valuable to me. The only thing I've really thought about seriously is Botox in my jaw for TMJ. The TMJ, yeah, it's really interesting. She also shared all of these uses for Botox that you would never think about. Like, yes, for some aesthetic tweaks, they can help your lips look a little bigger or fix gummier lips. I know a lot of celebrities have done that, but then it can be functional health for your muscles to be able to relax. Yeah, I think she gives so many tips that are so helpful But it's true that the only information we really see about this stuff is from influencers Influencers. being like, oh, I'm going in for my Botox. And I love that people are sharing their experience rather than just what I think we did five years ago, which was, what do you mean? I'm just naturally this beautiful. I don't have a wrinkle on my face. My lips are naturally so symmetrical. People are being more open about their procedures. That's the most important thing. But it's hard to grasp is this something everybody does, what's right for me. So that's exactly why I wanted to have her on to give all of the information. I knew she was someone who was honest. She's not someone who's just trying to sell what she does. And I I myself, like living in LA, it's such a weird thing because getting Botox, getting filler is just like getting dry cleaning. Like it's so natural, which I think is really fine. I'm happy that people are accepting whatever's going to make you feel good. I also have wanted the trap talks, like the Barbie Botox. People like it because it helps to slim your shoulders. But I have so much tension in my shoulders that I wake up constantly with pain. I have really bad headaches because of it. Every time I get a 
massage, I feel so vindicated because the masseuse is always like, oh my God, you deal with so much pain in your neck. You have so much tension. And you know, when someone's like that and you're like, yes, thank you for acknowledging my pain. <laughs> but she shares her opinion on that. That's really interesting. But I say about Botox and filler and cosmetic procedures, I agree with you that it's neutral. It's all about the intention. And I said it later in this episode, but I really do view it the same as getting your hair highlighted or getting your nails done. It's all just little changes that can update your physical appearance, probably make you feel a little bit better. The problem with Botox or filler is the same with any of these other things, which is if you do not feel worthy as you are, if you're thinking when I have better skin or bigger lips or a prettier face, then I would be worthy. You will constantly be getting more and more and more not feeling good enough still because it's not actually fixing the root issue, which is your self-worth and your connection to self. Mm -hmm. I think this episode is really insightful. Like I said, I wanted to have her on to share all of the insider secrets that you may be wondering about Botox and fillers, but we end up having a very interesting conversation. And actually the majority of the conversation is about how these treatments are impacting confidence. We talk about body dysmorphia, social media, why filters are actually worse for our confidence than celebrity or influencers, unrealistic beauty standards. Again, I really just wanted to have her on for the tips and insider secrets. And it ended up being such a powerful conversation that I know you guys are going to love. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Anoush Movsesian, also famously known as Skins and Needles on Instagram, is an LA-based cosmetic nurse practitioner who combines the science of medicine with the art of aesthetics. Anoush has a strong passion for helping her patients achieve natural results to simply enhance inherent beauty and promote healthy, glowing skin. She is deemed a go-to in the beauty industry thanks to her expertise in Botox, injectables, lasers, microneedling, and so many more. Please welcome Anoush Movsesan to the Evergirl podcast. All right, Anoush, well, welcome to the Evergirl podcast. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm extremely ecstatic to be here. How did you get into cosmetic medicine? What made you so passionate about it? I actually had a beauty blog prior to ever even going to nursing school. I've, I've always worked in retail, cosmetics, been into, into skincare. So when I had my first daughter, I opened up my beauty blog, had it for a solid eight years, and then was 28, decided to go to nursing school. And when I did go to nursing school, I knew that bedside hospital was just not for me. So immediately after graduating, a friend of mine got me a job with a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. And that's when I realized how much I love the world of aesthetics and cosmetic surgery. So after working with him for about four years, at the time I had a six-year-old and a six-month-old, I applied for my master's program, became a nurse practitioner, and decided to open up an Instagram at the age of 35 which I did not have social media, believe it or not. I grew an organic following on social media and I grew my own practice and I'm I'm booked until next year. So, Well, that's a bummer for me. I was just telling Christine, I need your services. So (laughs) I'll get on the wait list for next year. But that's really amazing though. How did that go for you to shift a career, start a whole new career path when you had children? I think it's hard for a lot of people to fathom making that major change when they have a baby, much less another kid as well. To start a master's program and to work part-time with a six-month-old and a six-year-old was extremely difficult. I mean, I had monthly anxiety attacks, but I did have a lot of help also. So I, I had 
two babysitters uh, I studied on the weekends. My mom, my mother-in-law, my husband is extremely supportive. So that really helped me. And it's still hard now with a full-time career. Now my daughters are 13 and 7 to manage my career. I'm opening up my own med spa and the kids and family life. It's a lot. But I think that anything you put your mind to, if you work hard, you can do it. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So diving into fillers, Botox, I obviously want all of your tips, all of your expertise. I think a lot of people are afraid or resistant to Botox and filler because they think of the stereotype of Beverly Hills women with frozen faces and huge lips and their eyebrows at their forehead. I think there's such a stereotype around getting any work done. Can you explain what Botox and filler are actually for, what they actually do, and do they cause this stereotypical look? Put some of these myths to rest. So I'll I'll break down what they are first. So Botox is is a brand name for a neuromodulator, meaning it's a muscle relaxer in an ugly way of saying it paralyzes muscles to stop movement. And then fillers give volume to certain areas of the face, whether it's the cheeks or the lips or filling in hollow under eyes or creating bone structure that we don't have, such as a chin or a jawline. And And listen, there is that stereotype, but I think that as long as you don't go overboard with these injectables, you're never going to get to that place. That stereotype exists, but there's many women that like that look. And I don't judge. Everyone has a different aesthetic that they're going for. But as long as the patient themselves does not want to go overboard and they choose an injector that is not just going to go to town with these medications or products you will never look like you've gone overboard. I'm turning 40 next year. I started injectables when I was 29, almost 30. And I have a lot of things done, actually. I have multiple syringes of cheek fillers. I have my under eyes done about seven and a half years ago with filler. I do Botox every three to four months around my crow's feet, my frown lines, and on my forehead. And I've had my smile lines done. I've done this repeatedly over the past few years, except for my under eyes, just done it um, once or twice, seven years ago. But to a lot of people, and this may be subjective, I don't look like I've had a lot of work done. And that's just because I've done it over the years and I've built it gradually and not overdone anything. So I don't agree with the whole, you could look crazy frozen with Botox. Everything is done subtly and gradually. And so even when I see my patients and I see up to 25 patients a day, very few can tell that I have all of that done because it's done gradually to each their own. But if you are not that person, you're never going to go overboard as long as you have the right injector. I think that's such a good tip to look for someone who will be honest with you, right? Like if someone's like, I want XYZ and you know it's not going to look good, you'll be honest with them and say no. I turn away at least one to two patients a day. Wow. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not in the business of taking people's money. If somebody doesn't need something... And I know that if they push me to do it, it's absolutely not going to look good or it's not necessary. Oh, I will not do it. Absolutely not. And if anything, if something is overdone and they want more, I will highly recommend getting rid of it because you can dissolve fillers. Certain fillers can be dissolved. I recommend against certain procedures all the time. And I think that because I have a background in plastic surgery, I'm fully aware of what has to be surgically enhanced and 
how far fillers and Botox can go. So you also, as a provider, should be able to tell the difference if, for example, somebody comes in with fat pockets under their eyes, you're not going to be able to fix that with filler. That's surgery, blepharoplasty, to get rid of the fat pockets. Whereas someone comes in with actual hollowness, that you're going to be able to fix with filler. You can actually make certain matters or issues worse on a face and exacerbate a problem even more if, let's say, someone has fat pockets and you add filler there and you block their lymphatic drainage and give them puffier, worse under eyes, then you've created a problem. I think that your patients will respect you more when you're not pushing them to do treatments that are not going to help with filler. For example, if I have older patients with jowls, because as we age, we do get jowling. Gravity just brings everything down. And so rather than putting fillers or telling people, I'm going to give you a lift with filler, at some point you just have to tell them, don't waste your money. The only thing that's going to help is either a lower facelift or some sort of surgical enhancement. Do you find that, because I've heard this with Botox with filler, it's almost like your perception gets warped. So what you think at first is like, oh, a little Botox here, a little filler here looks good. But then I've heard some people say your frame of reference become less normalized. So it's almost like a gateway of like more and more and more. And then that's how people end up having that artificial stereotypical look. Possibly. But again, that has a lot to do with the patient's personality. Yes, if you start doing Botox. And I don't know if this sounds bad, but I, I, I'm a very honest person to a fault. But some of these procedures do make you look better. They just do. You do Botox, you feel more lifted and open and awake and you start to love it. So yes, when the wrinkles start to come back, the average person is like, oh my God, I need it again. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And so again, it has to do with the personality. If someone has more of an obsessive personality and they think, oh, this looks great. I need more and more. Hopefully you have an injector that's going to stop you. That's the type of injector I am. Many times a patient will walk in and I'll be like, I hope you're not here for lips. Not until a year or two from now. Again, it's a personality thing. And some people, it is a gateway to go overboard. And some people are extremely subtle and don't want to go overboard. So I don't think we should be blaming the injectables, maybe more so the patient and their provider should be held accountable for the overly done faces. It almost comes down to like the intention behind it. Like I think you can view Botox fillers just like getting your nails done, getting highlights in your hair. They're just little things that make you feel better and then you feel good. But I think where it becomes a negative thing is when people are not feeling good enough as they are, so they keep seeking changes, still feeling not good enough as they are. So they're constantly like, I'll never feel good enough. So like they might get a little Botox, but then feel like, well, I'm still not worthy. I think it comes down to the intention. Are you getting these treatments because it gives you a little confidence boost? Do you feel good? Or are you seeking affirmation? Are you using these things to change who you are to try to be worthy then that's when I think it becomes a dangerous cycle that you'll never actually feel worthy. So you'll keep trying more and more and more to get there. You're a hundred percent on point as a provider. You're like a therapist. You really are. I see 20 something patients a day. We talk about everything and the consultation, the initial consult plays such a big role in the steps that follow after because you start to really learn and read people and you truly understand if you're a knowledgeable provider 
whether this patient is just coming in for a little pick-me-up or does really want to prevent lines or there's a little bit of an insecurity, the lips are too thin and they just kind of want to hydrate it a little bit, or is this really more of a body dysmorphia issue? Because in the consult, the provider must understand that with no judgment. Look, we're our own worst critic, especially in front of the mirror. It's just things start to like really bother you. Everyone's right side is different from their left. There are certain things you're never going to change. Please don't fixate on it. And once you start to realize that this is a deeper issue and it, they're looking for a solution to another problem through injectables, that's when you really need to watch how much you inject. Because unfortunately, there are people in the industry that will just say yes because they're going to make financial profit off of it. And that's definitely not the right way to go. When you're with patients, how do you suss out whether they're dealing with a case of body dysmorphia or hyperfixating on a flaw versus someone who's a genuine candidate for something like injectables? And I'm asking because I'm wondering for people at home who are not able to come to LA and get to go to you, how do they know this is something that like, oh, a little Botox, a little filler would be really great for me versus I'm trying to use injectables to fix that deep insecurity of me that will not be fixed. Like, is there anything that you look out for in your clients? If I realize that the patient is pointing out something that is just not there or is unrealistic... That's already a signal for me. You'll realize that there are no smile line indentations, but the patient is pointing right there. And that's when you really have to put your foot down and say, I can't do it. You're going to waste, let's say, your $800. You're not going to see a difference. Or I understand that you see it, but it's really not there. So I'm not comfortable with injecting that area because you're not going to get the results that you need. And when I was new in plastic surgery, I would see so many women come in that were beautiful in my eyes supermodels they would show things to the doctor that they wanted surgically enhanced and I didn't at the time understand the concept of body dysmorphia I think so I kept saying but you're so beautiful I remember the doctor had a talk with me after I did that to like the third or fourth patient he goes you need to stop saying that because obviously this person isn't seeing what you're seeing So just really being empathetic and saying, I understand that this bothers you because I honestly think I have a little bit of body dysmorphia because I'm constantly a perfectionist and I'm turning 40 and I still want to look good. So you have to be really understanding, but also not feed into it. Because at the end of the day, it's like about how they see themselves. They think that too with those friends who will say, oh, I don't look good today or I look so ugly today. And of course, you always want to be like, are you kidding? You're so beautiful. You look amazing. But I find that that never really helps because they aren't going to be like, oh, great. Now that you think so, then I'm good because it's how they see themselves. What I feel like no one talks about is that balance of do things that make you feel good, get Botox, get injectables, dye your hair, whatever it is, do things that make you feel like you look good. But also finding that balance of accepting yourself as you are not over fixating on flaws. How do you find that balance? You know, I'm just a very confident person. And I accept that I'm not the prettiest person in the world. And some people may think I'm beautiful and some people not. And I have many flaws on my face. But I accept that. You just have to accept what you look like and love yourself for who you are. And minimally can enhance things 
but not go overboard. I think that accepting certain flaws is just one of the most important things. One thing I'll always tell my patients, the ones that'll point out these little lines that occur and and I'll say, look, yes, I'm in this field and I love to make women feel more beautiful or look more beautiful, but there are certain things we have to accept when it comes to maturing. And it sounds so weird that again, I'm in this field and I say that, but sometimes I want to hug my patients, the ones that say, I love the way that I look and there's a little thing that I want to change, but I'm happy that I'm aging, I'm maturing and I accept it all because it's rare to hear that in my field. It's so refreshing to hear women say that to me. I love it. It's sad that that's not a common thing to accept and love the way you look. I would love to talk to you more about the pressure you see with the beauty industry, especially as things are changing with social media. It's so tricky because on one hand, it's amazing to help women feel more confident. And I think if you want to change something, it's your body. You should be able to change it. Do whatever's going to make you feel good. But on the other hand, we're seeing more and more faces across social media and in Hollywood that are looking more artificially designed. But the general public does not know that. They're not knowing all of the work that celebrities and influencers are getting done. So they're just looking at these beautiful people thinking, well, I'm not that pretty. I'm not good enough. And it's changing our standard of beauty. As an expert, how do you view how the beauty industry is changing? Is like the beauty and injectable industry actually a good thing for women's confidence? Or do you think that it's becoming more and more damaging? I think that for women's confidence, it's damaging. I think that social media can be wonderful. For example, it's what blew up my business in aesthetics. That's how it helped me gather my clientele, but it definitely plays a huge negative role, especially on the younger generation. Going back to what you said about celebrities, the photoshopping and the editing has given women such unrealistic expectations. And recently I went to this big convention and I'll never forget what this man said on stage. He said, years ago, our competition was the injector next door. Now our competition is Snapchat and Instagram filters. Honestly, it's not even celebrity photos that are causing women to to seem insecure and not be happy with themselves. It's the filters. For the past two or three years, oh yeah, the past two or three years, my patients do not show a photo of another celebrity or influencer. They will pull up a filtered photo of themselves from Instagram or Snapchat, and that's the look that they go for. I mean, I am very vocal about it on my Instagram. Over a year and a half ago, I took off every single filter on my Instagram. And so when I am talking on my camera, which is on a daily basis, I never use a filter. I don't even swipe right for Paris. I show what my face actually looks like. I was a victim of that when all these filters came about. Like I said, I'm a very confident person, but after using Instagram filters, I started to want rhinoplasty about a year and a half ago. I went as far as to go get a consultation. The minute the camera opened up on my face, I hated the way that I looked. And one day I'm like, what are you doing? You're becoming somebody else. This is not you. You've been confident your whole life. I deleted every single filter. Once in a blue moon, I might use something grainy for fun to make something aesthetically prettier, but a filter to change my face, to make me have a smaller nose, bigger lips, never. 
it's terrible. On a daily basis, I tell women, stop showing me filtered photos that is fully changing your face. Jesus Christ couldn't come down and give you that, <laughs> that result. It's not going to happen. It's unrealistic. And yes, they will show me even photoshopped or filtered photos of other celebrities and want their jawline. And some of these people I've actually seen in person or some of them are even my patients. And I will tell my patients, this is not what their jaw -like looks, jawline looks like in person. No one has a wooden looking jawline. And the consultation is so important to show women that the, this is not real. Social media is really making people think that women look like this in real life when they don't. Oh my God, for your own self, when you're seeing your face used to this filter that's either luring your skin or the pretty filters on TikTok or whatever, where it's like making your nose smaller, your jaw more defined. Like I can see how that's so damaging because then you get used to seeing an idealized version of your face. So then when you look in the mirror and yeah. I for sure have done this where I go back to the regular camera and I'm like, oh God. So I can see how that is more damaging than celebrities. Which country was it recently that banned filters? No one thinks yeah. they're pretty enough. No one wants to see their pores. I have screenshots of what celebrities look like when paparazzi randomly catches them. Like, look at their pores. Look at the little bumps. You can't look like that because that's not real. I have a 13-year-old, as I mentioned, and she has a Snapchat, which is monitored by me. She only follows friends from school and doesn't really ever post. But... I caught her taking a photo on Snapchat once with a filter and I had a long talk with her. She's never allowed to use a filter anymore. And I explained to her, I said, Omela, you're very beautiful. And I see the filter made you even more beautiful. But I said, you can't use it because in your mind, you're going to start thinking you're not good enough anymore. You're not pretty enough. And a really long conversation with her. And I explained to her, I have friends who are stunning. Said these people don't take normal photos anymore. They refuse to take a photo of their own face. Said, you don't want to become that. I don't care if your friends use it. You're never using it. And she fully understood it. And she's never allowed to take a filtered photo. And I, and I show her, I don't even use the filtered photos. It's, it's extremely unhealthy and it's giving dysmorphia on another level. That was going to be my question was, what do we do about it? And so I think that that's a good tip to just like stop. No matter how hard it feels, just stop using the filters. Yeah. I wish that big influencers with millions of followers just started a movement where every day they would get up and show, this is what we look like when we wake up. I think that would be a huge movement. Imagine someone as big as Kim or even makeup artists with a million or two followers started to do it. It would be so motivating for everyone to start a movement like that. No filter. Yeah, because then we would change the standard that we have. Or even pictures of their fully makeup selves, but just without a filter and without editing. Yeah. Where, yeah, their face looks gorgeous, but you can still see the pores. You can still see fine lines, all of the normal things that is a normal face rather than the highly edited, filtered version. I think you're right. would start a whole movement and then it would yeah. adjust our standard. Like what we see as ideal beauty would actually be a little bit more attainable rather than something that's completely artificially concocted that we could never replicate in real life. Absolutely. You're kind of blowing my mind with this filter discussion because 
I have always thought of the celebrities are creating the standard. And now that I think about it, like especially being in L.A., I'm sure you see this all the time. Like there is a whole other level of pressure in L.A. And my mom, when I moved to L.A., was so concerned. Like she was like, do not become so obsessed, get all this work done. But actually since moving here, I, I weirdly feel a little bit less turned on to plastic surgery because I feel like everybody looks so similar in LA. So many people have the same look. Do you know what I mean? Like they have the same lips, they have the same features. And I think it's because the filter is the same thing to everybody. It has the same effect on your lips, the same effect on your nose. So then we all want that exact same thing, but everyone starts looking the same. It doesn't help when actual injectors use filters too. I'd seen an injector recently post a airbrushed photoshopped photo and talking about coming to the clinic to get great skin you don't have pores in that photo are you actually going to give that to your patients no and that's just setting them up for disappointment because their clients will be like wait but i'm not completely airbrushed in real life like that's just setting them up for disappointment yeah that's going to be a one-time customer they're never going to come back I would also love for you to touch on what you're seeing in terms of if you see certain treatments or what are those other things celebrities use to look better. And I'm asking this because most of the public just believes that the celebrities influencers are just that gorgeous as they are when in reality, I think especially in LA, you know how much work is actually being done behind the scenes. So I think shedding light on that work is actually helpful for our understanding of what's possible? What should be our own expectations? So can you shed some light on what are those treatments that you see celebrities getting done most often or influencers? Yeah. Look, I I think when it comes to celebrities, they have the world at their fingertips, right? So any treatment under the sun, if needed, whether it's daily, weekly facials or skin treatments like microneedling and anything to keep their their skin young radio frequency constantly to plump up the skin that's their job to look good 24 7 right um yeah and 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 realistically very few women have either the time or the financial capability there are certain treatments such as a regular radio frequency treatment feels like a hot stone massage you could do it on your stomach to tighten the skin you can do it on your face to get a little bit of a lift so celebrities they could do anything they want but some major trends that make them look wonderful is recently it became a really big thing the the brow lift with the with the lateral canthoplexy where it's called that ponytail lift that I know a lot of celebrities are doing a lower neck lift to just get the jowls to look perfect constant skin treatments whether it's microneedling co2 laser morpheus Morpheus is radio frequency with microneedling. There's regular microneedling. There's regular radio frequency on its own. CO2 laser, which is burning off layers or or deep peeling, lasering off the skin. So there's so many and they're all popular. I think ever since COVID, one of the best things that happened is self-care became huge and uh, taking care of your skin became huge because I'll be the first to say in my field, it's not just about pumping the face with fillers and freezing it with Botox. You know, you'll see overfilled women with terrible skin. So improving the skin is very important. And social media, I think, played a big role in during COVID women were just sitting around looking in the mirror. So self-care and 
I see younger girls very into wearing SPF and vitamin C, and I love that. Double cleansing. So, you know, there's all of these treatments are huge, and the celebrities and socialites are doing them all. Oh my gosh, I feel like the options are endless. I You're like, that was so overwhelming. <laughs> no, I love it though, because I, I want it to feel overwhelming. Like, I want people to be like, oh my God, that is a lot. Like, I, I want people to know it, they did not just wake up like this. I'm curious, are you seeing younger and younger people asking for facelifts? Yeah, it's scary to, to say that, but I, I think so, yes. Although I will say a majority of my patients, even the middle-aged ones, when I say, look, the only thing that's really going to treat that is surgery, they'll say, no, oh my God, I'm too young, which is wonderful. But this is becoming younger and younger. Everybody wants that. And I hope that our surgeons have enough morals and values to say no to the younger generation that wants that. We can give a minimal lift at the tail of the brow with Botox. But absolutely, the younger generation wants this more because, again, it's what filters do and that's what they want to look like. Pertaining to facelifts, I come from a background where women get facelifts at a very late age. If you tell them even in their 50s, what's time for a little pick-me-up? They're like, oh my God, I'm so young. So they do it when they're much older they don't get the results that they want because at this point they're in their late 60s or early 70s and they then wonder why their nasolabial folds are still where they're at because we can't physically pull it that back. So I also think that's not right either. So when I started working at Plastics, I was always so shocked when women in their late 40s would come in for a facelift and I would be like, she's so young. The number sounded young. I didn't really assess the patient's face. The number sounded young. But genetics, it's not just age. Genetics plays a very big role. Your lifestyle plays a very big role. You can have two twins, a set of twins, one that lives an amazing life and one that had a very stressful, terrible life. And you'll see their face ages tremendously different. So then who's to say that the younger 40-something-year-old shouldn't have a little bit of a facelift. And that's when I started realizing that I was wrong. I would see these 48-year-olds get a facelift. They would look minimally different. They would just look a little refreshed. But there's so many gray areas. Along with that, I say, look, I don't want my younger patients coming in and saying, I want to look snatched. That word irks me. Snatched. snatched like what does that even mean <laughs> but but again if I have a a 19 or a 20 year old who's already an adult that has really thin lips that's a major insecurity of theirs why not minimally enhance it so that they feel better about themselves I'm Armenian rhinoplasty is a very accepted surgery very accepted many of them have it at 16 17 years old I've seen a celebrity 24-year-old get a mid-facelift where they bring their, their cheek back up. I didn't blame her that it bothered her so much. Why does this girl have to wait until she's older to fix that problem? If that can be enhanced with a surgery where her cheek can be picked right back up and bring it back to where it should be, and that distance between her under eye can be shortened for her to look better, who are we to say that she's too young to do it, right? Sometimes the age doesn't matter. We have to look at each scenario on its own. It's genetic. It bothers you. 
there's a treatment for it. It's just all about being a responsible adult, not overdoing it and picking the right provider that is not going to overdo it. That's such a good point that it's situation specific. It's different yeah. per person. I think where the age thing comes from is purely judgmental. I'm thinking of every purely. case where it's like, oh, you were too young or you were too old. That is our judgment. That's not true for the individual. So I think it makes sense to go on a case-by-case basis. Another age-related question, I'm sure you get this a lot, but like at what age should you start getting Botox? Is there a general answer for that? Or is that the same thing where it is case-by-case? Both. So generally, it's great to start it in your later 20s. I started at 29 or 30, I don't remember, because Botox is preventative meaning the sooner you relax the muscle, the sooner you'll prevent those static lines, meaning the lines that are there with no more movement. But I have two 19-year-old patients that when these girls frown, their sisters, that muscle, their glabella complex, their corrugator is so strong. And as they age, it's going to get worse and deeper and deeper, and they're going to get those lines. And again, for some people, those lines don't bother them. Good for you. You don't have to worry about it. I'm not talking to those type of people, but it bothers them. And so once a year, I knock out the front once a year only. And so at least the muscle becomes a little weaker and softer so that it doesn't get indented so much at a young age. But I have 20 something year olds late beginning thirties, they move and there's nothing. And I'm like, listen, don't start yet. Don't waste your money yet. When you relax, I don't see the lines creasing yet. So yes, generally there is an age. We never want people to start too soon and get obsessed with it. But every person is different. And I love Botox. So, you know, if you want it, you do it. You can always try it out. You don't like it. You don't have to do it. So when people say preventative Botox, that really should be if you are starting to get slight little lines because it helps relax the muscle. I, my friend was telling me that she loves Botox preventively because rather than always creasing your eyebrows, it has like trained her over time to not automatically do that. So even if she stops getting Botox, her eyebrows don't automatically furrow. Absolutely. There was an actual study done on depressed patients that were always furrowing. It was over 300 patients that they had Botox only done in this, in this glabellar complex where they furrow. And so many of them felt so much better and their moods changed. You train your muscle not to frown. It helps with migraines and headaches. People that have TMJ, I clench all the time. It relaxes my muscles. I don't wake up with my jaw locked or hurting. So it's not negative. I know to to some people this conversation may sound so vain, but I think it's wonderful to look better and feel better. And I don't like when people judge that. I think you can do it all. You could care about how you look. You can be healthy. It doesn't stop you from being either a good person or a good parent or a good anything. I love to look and feel good because it makes me a better parent, a better wife, a better injector. I feel happier. I think that taking care of your appearance is a wonderful thing for those who are into it. And I don't like it when it's looked at negatively. I think it's a wonderful thing to feel good and take care of yourself, you know? I completely agree. And why look at Botox or filler any different than, like I said, highlighting your hair, getting your nails done? It's just things that everyone gets to decide what makes them feel their best. And I think that's a beautiful thing that we have all the options. I know that you mentioned the Botox for your TMJ. 
And I'm curious what other of those spots that people may not know about. Like I know trap talks is such a huge thing right now. Can you speak on some of those where like yeah. Botox is not just yeah. for reducing fine lines and wrinkles that it has other benefits? I'll yes. actually, I'll show it on my face. Uh, so some women wrinkle their chin when they talk. It's called the orange peel effect, the mentalis muscle. So putting six units of tiny Botox will relax the muscle. And so you won't get this happening. A lot of women do that. Some women smile and they have a gummy smile. And if that bothers you, you get Botox units right here and that will relax that muscle so that the gums don't show so much when you smile. I keep saying women, excuse me. Some people smile and their lip curls in. And so putting a little bit of Botox right up here in that orbicularis oris will prevent the muscle from curling in. So more lip shows when you smile. There's the, the, lip the lip flip. flip. That, uh, so the lip flip is a little different. It's right on top of the cupid's bow. So one, two, three, four, right up here on the actual vermilion border will cause a little bit of that lip to go up. With Botox, dose equals duration. The more you do, the longer it lasts. And these areas I'm discussing are minimal units, which means within two months they're gone and some people flare their nostrils. So Botox right there will prevent the nostril flare and it can even slim down a bulbous nose temporarily. TMJ, that's a game changer. I do it. One thing with that, it, it, it does slim the face down. The face does become more heart-shaped because you're causing muscle atrophy, constantly weakening a muscle, muscle will get slimmer. So if you have a more square lower face, you're gonna love it. I naturally have a long face. So when I do it too much, I look gaunt mm. and my older sister tells me I look like the scream character the mask. <laughs> so she says I need to stop but I need it for your DMJ yeah. We do. yeah you can do it on these neck bands it's like the first signs of aging is is our neck for women you can get a little Nefertiti facelift we call it with Botox and in these bands also so those are just some areas i'm not into trends these tiktok trends these things that go viral this barbie botox thing that became a trend i'm not into it it's it's right here in the trapezius muscle kind of gives you that i didn't even know barbie had a long neck (laughs) I, i didn't know it was a thing but i've turned many patients away it needs to be responsibly done. If people have pain, great. I've actually had that elephant neck situation where I slept bad and one of my colleagues did Botox here to relax my muscle. But to get tons of units, you can prevent range of motion if it's done incorrectly. Some of these trends really make our industry look kind of like a joke sometimes. I know you'll see on a billboard, on a bus, $10 units of Botox. And I'm sure people will be like, okay, great. Why not? But to know how important it is to go to the right provider because there are risks. You can get too much and it can cause damaging things. So I think it is really good to know the potential outcomes and be as educated as possible. Yeah. For people listening, we will post the video of Anoush doing this demonstration on our Instagram if you want to go see it visually, because I know for me, it helps to see how you're pointing out different parts of the face. That was so interesting, Anoush, and I'm a newbie to the industry, so it was so helpful. We're going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. First one, I would love to know your biggest 
beauty ritual that is not obviously what you do for work? Do you have any specific rituals you do, products you try that make a big difference that you swear by? Oh, so many. You're asking the queen of <laughs> that. And, hard. And, yeah. and I, I and I'm so routine oriented. I actually named my new med spa routine by Anushma Obsession because my older sister says I'm like a serial killer. Everything is done <laughs> like literally minute by minute. So it's funny, one of the products I swear by, which I found from Demi Moore, it's called Beat the Blues, and I swear by it. I've been using it for years from Illapothecary, I believe. I spray it every morning in, in my bathroom when I start my morning, and I have the roller that I put on my pulse points, and I inhale deeply a few times, and I actually do it at night too, and it's proven to really just uplift your mood. So this is something I do every single morning. It starts my morning off right. I light a candle every single morning. I have my coffee every single morning, my skincare routine every morning at 5.30 or 6 a.m. Shower oils that either will de help decompress me at night because I'm so tired. Aromatherapy Associates has amazing oils that I use the night and the day. It specifically says morning or night, which really helps start my day. There, there's too many. So you're really into aromatherapy. Yes. Romanticizing your morning, it sounds like, is really big for you. I Very. love that. Okay, my next question was going to be wellness rituals, which I'm sure is also really hard. But do you have, for example, a smoothie that helps boost your skin glow or anything that you like um, nutrition-wise? For wellness, the, I, I do drink almost every single day the smoothie from Whole Foods. It's called the Farmer's Garden. I add a little bit of my own twist to it, peanut butter or almond butter. My Stanley every morning, my girls know to put it on my desk with my full water. For wellness, I get my weekly massages at home because if you're an injector you're always in this position and oh I bet you, you yeah so I'm always misaligned so making sure I take care of my body like that but that's mostly it I went to courses for TM meditation and I really wanted to do it because I was getting really stressed out at some point and I didn't properly follow through so my <laughs> goal is to start meditating 20 minutes a day twice a day it takes some time for it to build. So I think that's a good yeah. next goal. <laughs> yeah. Last question for you, Anoush. Uh, favorite book, resource, podcast, anything that you love that has changed your life? I heard the podcast and I read the book of Atomic, um, oh God. Habits? Yes. I love that oh, book. Oh my God. I listen to it when I drive. I listen to it when I get my lashes done every two weeks. It's just amazing. And I, I relate to it a lot because again, I, I'm a creature of habit. Like I do a lot of my things are just habitual. Yeah, that's a great that. resource and a great tip to listen to it. Yeah. Noosh, thank you so much for joining us. Where can everyone find you and get on your wait list if, they, if they're in LA? <laughs> So uh, it's uh, skins and needles, NP underscore, I believe that is my uh, Instagram. And there is a phone number there. You can call or text my girls to get on a wait list. And then I'm in Studio City opening up my own med spa called Routine by Anushma Sessian. And I, I start on September 6th at the new clinic. So stop by if you want. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. I will definitely be stopping by. It sounds so Thank amazing. You. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. It was such a my pleasure. pleasure. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. 
If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at The Evergirl Podcast on Instagram or theevergirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.